0: All right, are we, are we ready to start up? Are we ready to start up? Hang on, I got the, <laughs> the the. Are we are we ready to start? Ugh, okay, this is going to be an issue, apparently. Topic Lords. I'm Tyreek. I'm James. And I'm Jim, and this is Topic Lords, the only place on the internet you can hear topics discussed. Tyreek, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have anything to plug?
1: Yeah, I'm making a game. It's called Catacomb Kids. It's in early access right now on Steam and itch.io. You can play it. You can buy it. You can... well, in the other order, though. You can buy it, and then you can play it, unless you pirate it, which, I mean, please don't, but if you do, whatever. Also, maybe music thing I'm doing soon? Album, potentially? Does it count as an album if it's only out in one place? If it's just, like, a bunch of songs? Does that count as releasing an album, or does it have to be, like a bunch of different places.
0: What I would say qualifies it as an album is that there is a track list and there is an album cover.
1: I don't have the cover yet, but I definitely have the track list. And so,
0: yeah, it will be a collection of songs that I have made. Also, I think there's a minimum length. Otherwise, it's an EP. But I'm not sure what the minimum minimum length is.
1: I think I'm at album length. It's over half an hour and there's 10 tracks so far, which I think brings it out of ep length
0: yeah like around half an hour i would say is maybe probably the cutoff point
1: yeah anyway regardless of what it is it's happening sometime
0: within the next i don't know when you're
1: gonna hear this but shortly thereafter
0: probably all the albums i released as my band smush in the mp3.com interface i added singles until no more songs would fit on the cd And then that was the album. So every album was exactly the same length. (laughs) Wait, were all the MP3s the exact same length? Uh, They were all like a minute, a minute and a half. So like, yeah, it wasn't exactly the same length, but they were within about a minute. They were the same length. Uh, James, would you like to introduce yourself or do you have anything to plug?
2: I'm James. You can follow me on Twitter um, at TripleFox or you can follow me on Mastodon, the Fediverse. Triple Fox at dot Club.
0: Solid follow, solid Mastodon follow. Those are harder to come by.
2: Yeah, but yeah, I don't have anything to plug right now, so
0: there you go. All right, are we ready to start on some topics? Yeah. Yes, James. Your topic is ravens of Golden Gate Park. Okay. Pretty much
2: every day in the past year, I've gone into the park to take a walk, and I'll see some ravens out usually around the ball fields. So like, I'll be hanging out and I'll sit on the bench and I'll watch the ravens a while. And after a while, like I start noticing specific behaviors that they do and how they flock and what they're interested in. You know, mostly they're food motivated. So I haven't tried to feed them, but they definitely hang out around like the garbage cans because during the weekends, especially, it'll get really full there. So they'll just be waiting for a chance to uh, snatch something. Right. There isn't anything like specifically noteworthy because, you know, they're ravens and you can you can watch wild animals anywhere. But the ravens are very intelligent. And I think they kind of like recognize me, although they aren't like trying to like communicate or anything.
0: Mm-hmm. When you say they recognize you, do they behave differently than they do around other people? I would say they aren't. Like, afraid. Sure. It's familiarity. Yeah.
2: It's like, oh, I know this guy. He's always there in the brown vest, and he'll never do anything.
1: <laughs> I really like ravens and crows a lot. They're some of my favorite animals, and I'll probably get a tattoo of one someday whenever I get around to getting tattoos of things.
0: Even though they caused the pandemic, I still like them.
1: Are <laughs> you thinking of the movie
0: no, I'm making a, a COVID, COVID, COVID joke.
1: Oh, but Yes, <laughs> the COVID-19 virus. Right. Have you noticed any of the birds, like, displaying any kind of, like, individual personalities or anything like that? Like, can you so, recognize yeah. a, the, the same bird over the course of multiple visits?
2: There was this one time last summer when I was out at the beach... And, you know, out on Ocean Beach, they have that seawall and you can hang out on the benches there. Yeah. And there was this one raven. It was kind of like dancing around between the crowds and like inching like closer and closer to me. And eventually I was just like, you know, I don't have anything for you. Why are you doing this? And it (laughs) gets really surprised and it goes, ah, and it, it, it like flies up somewhere. Then it's like... Still unhappy, so it, it it flies all the way off into the distance, and it kind of buzzes the pedestrians as it goes by.
0: I like the idea that it was freaked out that you t- tried to talk to it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I like to imagine that it actually understood you and was like, "Ah, this guy <laughs> wasting my time." Because like they are hyper intelligent birds, and there was like a study that did it. Like I th- probably some college. I'm gonna get all the details wrong, but. Basically, like, testing their ability to identify individuals. And I think it was, like, they had, like, people wear masks and go past, like, a uh, crow's nest or raven's nest. I can't remember which which it was. Basically, like, upset the birds. And, like, years later, people could go past in the same masks. And the birds, like, still remembered the time from years before when they were upset by these people and, like, would dive bomb and attack them and harass them. Right. But only those specific ones that, that, like, displayed those identities. I know this individual of this other species, the, you know, tall, featherless land walkers,
0: which is, I assume, how they refer to us. Yeah, those three words specifically. Yeah, this is why (laughs) the CDC, early in the pandemic, was recommending against wearing masks. (laughs) Because the crows would identify them? right uh, it's not it's not you don't think of the, you don't think this bit is working
1: <laughs> i'm just really bad at thinking on the fly I think it's a good bit <laughs> the fault is on me for not following up fast enough
0: oh no no you don't. it's not your job to make me funny
1: <laughs> i do kind of like the idea though of that like if there's like an identity that you can assume by wearing a mask that is the crow harassing identity <laughs> yeah And everybody agrees that this is the mask that you use when you want to harass crows so that everybody else can go about unaccosted. Right. And it's like, oh, this is me when I'm just looking for some trouble with the birds. Right. Uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's like in in Red Dead Redemption when you put that mask up and and then you can't get a bounty on you when you uh, kill somebody. Right. Yes. Like how somehow Robin's identity is a secret. Right. Yeah. Can't possibly recognize somebody by anything but the immediate circles around their eyes right i like the idea that you would have a different mask to harass different kinds of animals
1: (laughs) yeah yeah i like that well you
2: know you have one uniform for fishing and another for hunting yeah two kinds for for different kinds of
1: land animals versus birds there could also be like an outfit for animal befriending That everybody agrees on, which is like some kind of outfit where it's like, uh, oh, if you wear this, then you're going to be kind to animals and make sure you're never unkind to animals or you'll ruin it for everybody else who wants to wear this.
0: Yeah, back when I played uh, regularly on the Ols.org NetHack server, uh, I was invited to play a, a, um, I guess it was a round robin character where... Everybody played for a hundred turns and the next the next player played hundred turns. Oh wow. Someone had decided that this should be a pacifist character, and so the character was wielding a a cream pie. Because if you hit somebody with a cream pie, it's guaranteed to do no damage.
1: Okay.
0: The first thing I did was like wail on a goblin with this cream pie, which destroys the cream pie. And so I was like, well what shit, what am I gonna wield now? And I wielded a pancake, but a pancake doesn't do <laughs> no damage, it does a little bit of damage. <laughs> I didn't kill anything, but like I ended my turn with this character feeling like, oh man, I really messed this up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> do you think that that function would hold true in reality, that a cream pie does deals zero damage while you could maybe hurt someone with a pancake a little bit more.
0: (laughs) So part of the problem with that idea is that a pie tin probably hurts more than a pancake does. Yeah, I
1: was going
2: to say, like, it would be the other way around, because you could, like, you could drown somebody in a cream pie, right?
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I could figure out a way to drown somebody in a pancake.
1: Well, you you can smother anyone with anything, really. It's true.
0: (laughs) As proven by Mythbusters. (laughs) (laughs) In the smother with anything episode. (laughs) philosophically hit points are a weird thing like the way you're supposed to think about them is a model of like how much damage they've done to your body but i don't think they're a very good model of physical damage and i think it might be more helpful to think about them in terms of like your luck running out hmm or your confidence breaking.
1: I've seen that phrase like that a couple different places where people were like talking about how to make RPGs less like a matter of whittling your hit points down until like you stub your toe and die. Right. And thinking of of hit points more kind of like you said like like either as a matter of luck or as a matter of like just your will to live. <laughs> yeah. Kind of a comb- combination of both your physical and mental state, so it's like something can hurt you physically and deal a lot of damage to your HP pool or if someone just like insults you real bad like that might also deal damage to your hit points but in like a, a more kind of like metaphysical way where it's like oh man do i do i even want to keep being an adventurer oh, like <laughs> yeah. how
0: and a cream pie is going to do that exactly that kind of damage <laughs> i have a different way i could take this
2: since the hit points are kind of derived from like war gaming you could just say oh well This means that I'm supposed to believe that I'm a military asset. I should just, like, run with that idea and roleplay out how I'm, like, losing troops and morale. Even though, like, I'm functionally, like, supposed to be, like, a single person or whatever.
0: Right.
1: Each of your organs is a troop. Yeah, my pancreas has retreated. <laughs> that sounds like a real serious medical condition.
0: It's like how the, the Warhammer Space Marines have half a dozen extra organs surgically implanted just for fighting, but none for love. Just as backups? No, I mean, I think they, they help you fight better, like bonus spleen damage. <laughs> Another thing that I feel like is maybe may appropriate, although this might only be the fact that I'm old. But, like, you know, it's not uncommon for me to, like, if something is falling, if I, if I need to make a sudden movement to, like, grab a thing that's falling or to, like, stop my son from doing something he shouldn't be doing that's dangerous or, like, if I'm going to slip on something and I have to make a sudden movement to catch myself, it's fairly common for that to, like, hurt my back. <laughs> Even if, like, if I were in a sword fight, I could, like, dodge all the the swings I want each one of those is still going to do damage to my back. Mm. I think maybe the the HP model might reflect like individual vertebrae. <laughs> <laughs> so in
1: <laughs> in like you know like JRPGs and stuff, when characters get up into like you know nine hundred and ninety nine HP, oh yeah, they're just really tall. They have like an extremely long spine. They they've just got a you
0: know, very long. They're giraffes now. <laughs>
1: But, like, their entire torso is giraffe neck scale. Yeah. Yeah. But the rest of them is normal. You know when games have, like, descriptive
2: damage where it's like, oh, you hit somebody and their teeth are knocked out? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then it happens,
1: like, a hundred times against the same enemy. (laughs) Right. How many teeth do they have?
0: (laughs) They're like sharks. They just keep growing back. When you punch somebody in Mortal Kombat and they explode into, like, six separate pelvises... (laughs) Are we ready for another topic? Yeah. Sure. Let's do it. Tyreek, your topic is, do you also want to destroy the moon or what kind of supervillain are you?
1: Says it in the title. I want to blow up the moon. Maybe maybe some other means of destruction, but um, I feel like this is a desire that I've had ever since I was little. And then after thinking on it a while, it probably stems from watching Dragon Ball Z after Piccolo destroys the moon. Like at some point later in the series, it's replaced with a big hologram of the moon. <laughs> but I don't know, for some reason, like I've kind of like a weird obsession with the moon as an object, as both like this, like wonderful muse that has persisted throughout all of humanity, like people looking up and seeing it and being inspired. And
0: Yeah. Everybody's got the same moon and it's always there. <laughs> right. And, yeah. But unlike the sun, you can actually look at it.
1: Right. The sun's like a jerk. It's like don't look at me. That's if you right. look at me I'll 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 blind you. How dare you? But the moon is so much more approachable. I really like the moon as a concept, but I also I just want to blow it up. I feel like that's such a good like super villain move is to take this thing and and also another part of it is probably Reading and you know, growing up with the with, uh, fantasy fantasy settings where the moon is like partially destroyed and like like strewn across the sky oh, yeah. or like split in half. That stuff is always super cool to me. And I'm like, we could have that.
0: Yeah, yeah. How cool <laughs> would it be? Like, well obviously it would also like rain destruction on us, but I bet we would have rings, like Saturn.
1: Right, exactly.
0: <laughs> that would be incredible.
1: How cool would it be to be a ringed planet? or a planet where you look up into the sky and see like the moon split into like just halves or I don't know, whatever the case may be. Physics probably wouldn't work like that, but I feel like if we have the power to destroy the moon, we could probably figure out a way to like configure it into a cool thing to look at as well. That isn't just a disc. Well, we can do that
0: now. We just need a strong enough projector. We could like, we could project (laughs) the big Lebowski onto the moon.
1: There we go. Yeah. We just replace it with a hologram, like in Dragon Ball Z.
0: Right. Uh I was thinking it would be cool if we had two moons. Oh, yeah. Go on.
2: We have one good moon. Yeah. We could just make it better by pulling in another one. Just steal it from another planet.
0: Yeah, like ship it over here.
1: hmm How big is Pluto? Like, is Pluto moon-sized? Could we, like... I mean, I know it's really far away, but I've seen the satellite images. It's very pretty.
0: Oh, so Pluto radius 736 miles. How big is the moon? bigger 1080 miles.
1: Oh wow. We definitely have have the, the extra space for a Pluto.
0: Oh yeah, we could we could definitely fit it in orbit around us, but I bet there's an easier moon to get than like going all the way out to Pluto and bringing it back. Yeah. Got to be practical with your moon theft plans.
1: Are there any like good candidates in the asteroid belt maybe more uh, obtainable?
0: I mean, my guess would be that um, one of the m- moons of Mars would be you know what? Maybe not. Maybe it would be harder to get it out of Mars' orbit. Ceres is considered the largest asteroid in our solar system and it's 587 miles. Okay. Okay, yeah. That's uh that's respectable. That's not even it's not even spherical. How big does something have to be to be spherical? Pluto is spherical. So like apparently Pluto's be- pretty spherical. Between those two numbers, <laughs> there must be some point, yeah. Yeah. The composition probably matters too.
1: Yeah, I'm also thinking, I wonder if Ceres, like, the fact that Ceres is in the asteroid belt, like, does it have, like, a bunch of other forces acting on it that are, like, pulling it outward rather than just letting it settle into its own shape?
0: Yeah, I don't know. So I just started Googling how big does a planet have to be to be a sphere, and I typed how, and Google immediately was like, Brit- how old is Britney Spears? 39 years old. Like, this is exactly what you need to know right now. <laughs>
1: Well, that's a scientific question,
0: too. It's true. <laughs> I
1: don't know. I just have aspirations of both destroying and romancing the moon. What about you guys? Do you have any, any particular interest in stealing one of the heads of Mount Rushmore? Or I don't know.
2: What what are, what are some other things? I've always had a thing for, like, the polar regions. Mm. What could be out in, like, Antarctica, you know? Because nobody goes out there.
1: Right. Except scientists, and we know they're not real people.
2: Well, yeah, you you don't count them when you're thinking about this. It's like they're studying it, but they don't really know.
0: Right. Uh, So I have data here. Uh, For bodies made mainly of rock, to become a self-gravitating sphere, you need to be about 600 kilometers. Uh, Now we're talking about kilometers instead of miles, so I don't know. I have no idea what that is. (laughs) Uh, But for bodies made mainly of ice, the minimum size is about 400 kilometers. Like off the top of my head, I had a conversation once with a friend of mine where they were talking about how friend of theirs, they had had a hypothetical conversation where if you could push a button and end the world, would you do it? And their friend said, yes. And, and my friend was like, in their head, they were going through this hypothetical scenario like, Yeah, I might have to stop my friend from ending the world someday. (laughs) And I think that's a really fun hypothetical question is like, just I, I wouldn't push the button to end the world. But like, for example, I would probably push the button to end like grain cereals. Like oatmeal? Like cold cereal, like in the cereal aisle. Oh. That you pour milk into.
2: Wow, would you count like oatmeal?
0: That's what I was thinking. That's different because that's uh, actually good for you. <laughs> it's hot cereal. It's a sugar. Cereal. It's the temperature that makes the difference, right? Sugar. Well, when you cereal. said grain cereal, yeah, no, that was the, that was the wrong term. <laughs> <laughs> but I said it, so it's too late. I already I already pushed the button, and it's gone.
1: I was thinking like grain crops. That's like that would kill so many people. No, no rice.
0: <laughs> no oats. No barley, no sorghum.
1: I could do without quinoa, I don't know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, and none of the none of the farm animals that eat that stuff either. Like, all those are dying too. Right. I would probably push the button to end AAA video games.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, I, I, I could definitely do that. Yeah. <laughs> all right, we're all in agreement here. But <laughs> so you're going to try to stop me from ending grain cereals. <laughs> so, so i have to kill you i'm sorry <laughs> well but kicks it's kid tested mother approved uh i mean that doesn't mean kid approved
1: <laughs> I, mean, I approved them when i was a kid i like i like kicks. kicks
0: are fine i mean i mean ben fine i mean they taste fine i don't mean they're actually good for you about? <laughs> <laughs> what about um is that Kashi super healthy, healthy cereal type stuff that tastes kind of like cardboard. I'm not familiar with those, uh, but they're definitely ending soon, so I'll never know. I wouldn't miss grape nuts. <laughs> do you know why they call them that?
1: No, no idea, okay.
0: Googling it, why do <laughs> they call it grape nuts? post believed glucose, which he called grape sugar, formed during the baking process. Combined with the nutty flavor of the cereal is said to have inspired its name,
1: but why did he call it grape sugar?
0: Great question Was he just wrong? I mean this was in 1933 No, this was in 1897. So yes, it was definitely that he was wrong
2: Okay (laughs) That does remind me of why it's called Triscuits because it's electricity and biscuit really Electricity yeah this is like a 1900s thing where it was like a big deal to electrify everything.
1: Oh, I always thought it like had something to do with like try, like three of something.
0: It's the next step up from biscuits. You would think so, right? Biscuits, triscuits.
1: <laughs> yeah, and we're still waiting on quad
0: quadskits or tetriskits. I forget which one it is.
1: Tetriskits.
0: Yeah. Apparently, it's electriskits.
1: That's. Weird. I guess it would be like naming your cereal like Cheerios 2000 or like Cheerios 64.
0: (laughs) I could have done that. Do I have to eat Cheerios 1 through 63 before I can understand the plot? I would have been so hyped for a Cheerios
2: 64 in like 1997.
0: (laughs) Yeah, same. Yeah, Uh uh-huh. I would still eat a Nintendo 64-themed cereal, so apparently I'm as bad as everybody else.
1: My brain likes to do do things with other people's sentences before they finish them, where I thought you were just going to say, I would still like to eat a Nintendo 64.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What else are they good for? (laughs) Nothing. Well, yeah, question answered. (laughs) All right. This is a dead silence.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a hot take. Nintendo 64, good for nothing.
0: That's right. Uh, Are we ready for another topic? Yeah, let's do it. My topic is uh, the Novation Circuit, which is a groove box that I acquired recently. I got the Circuit Tracks, which is the the latest updated version. This is a um, standalone music workstation that doesn't have a screen, and instead it has a grid of eight by four buttons that can light up different colors and somehow they make that into an intuitive sequencer and sound design interface. (laughs) It's kind of amazing. I've I've got a weird relationship with groove boxes because I've been making music with computers for more than half my life and honestly like any laptop is going to be more powerful than this thing or most individual music tools but there's just something about like having an interface where you can't get distracted by doing other stuff like if i'm using this thing this is all i'm doing i'm not in danger of like oh i need now i'm going to go browse reddit because i got bored for 10 seconds i can lie in bed with this device it's got it's battery powered or i can you know sit on the couch and i can be making jams it's a really fun piece of kit like really really like restricted in terms of what it can do but powerful enough that i can do interesting stuff with it
2: are the kinds of interesting things you're doing complicated compositions or are they just like you put in a few things into a four-bar loop and
0: see what happens more like the latter probably like it it totally can do polyrhythms and things like that but like i haven't explored that stuff much yet Hmm. i'm definitely more making like 80s techno than like uh, Schoenberg piece or something like that like a 12 tone composition that's really pushing the envelope in terms of harmony and rhythm <sighs> so just to run down the capabilities really quickly it's got two synth tracks and it's got four sample tracks and they, each of these uh, have a, um, a step sequencer in there with, with up to 32 steps per pattern Then it has this additional two tracks that I'm probably never gonna use because I use this thing in bed, but what you can do, and it's really kind of neat, is you can run a MIDI cable out, have have it plugged into another synthesizer or another two synthesizers, and use these two tracks to control them, feed their audio back into the circuit. It gets mixed in and, and processed with the same reverb and the limiter and the side chain. The internal audio does. It, you don't need a mixer. You don't need a bunch of like post-processing gear. This thing does all that stuff. You just have like a like an external mono synth, and it'll do. You can do interesting things with it.
1: Hmm. That's really cool.
2: That does sound like it's really cool. People always post these like desk setups where it's like all small tabletop synths,
0: and yeah,
2: I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. You use it as the
0: center of that. Yeah, yeah. Like the the Volca series, it would be perfect for that. Uh-huh like
1: those tabletop setups and stuff like that and i wish that i was there that i could do that and it's kind of like what i had in my head when i got a lot of the devices that i have which isn't a whole lot like i don't have have that many but like when i got them i got them with that like in my brain of like oh i can just like set this up and plug this in here and plug this in here and then i remembered that i like don't actually know how to play any instruments which is kind of a limiting factor
0: well, that's what sequencers are for.
1: Yeah, but like, there's one musician uh, I follow on YouTube who, like, just posts a bunch of videos like that. I think their name is Aldo. And. It's all that. It's just like a bunch of like small tabletops and s- set that they have. And they like get the loop going, the live loop, you know, and that sort of thing. And then they start playing guitar really beautifully.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and
1: I'm like, I'm, and then so I got a guitar. <laughs> yeah, that's the trick, right? And
0: it's like, this is way harder to play. The other thing you could do is like sing. Singing is
1: like what the thing that I like to do and where most of my like musical inspiration comes from yeah but i feel like what my brain knows that it wants is just a band probably
0: yeah yeah
1: other people who know what they're doing to be good at their instruments so that i don't have to yeah i'm just so used to doing everything myself that i feel like i should be able to do this myself too
0: yeah that's always the trick two synth tracks is actually pretty limiting these are monophonic synths no they've each got up to six voice polyphony okay if you pick the right sound you can have the same synth be playing like a bass and a lead but that's much less fun to step sequence <laughs> than a monophonic track you know right, or yeah, if, you could, right. if you could put them into separate tracks you can only have eight patterns per song on every on every track so like if you're doubling up and you want to do things like you know bringing in voices individually if you put the the note material for the bass and the lead in the same pattern they're just paired together always Mm. and you can do things like switch songs in real time and it'll keep the same tempo and and wait for the pattern to end like that's what that feature is built for is if you want to make a major change you can switch from one song to another one and that'll also let you do things like switch synth patches which you can't do normally like you're, there's one synth per patch per track per song mm. so like you know I, I come up with these four or eight bar grooves and I think some of them are pretty solid and I can bring them in one track at a time I can write a simpler or more complicated version of an existing melodic idea and, and like l- from one lead to the other I can like do a verse chorus verse type of thing but like At the end of the day, I'm always thinking like, this needs more. And obviously the thing that, since I can't write extended like melody lines on this thing, unless that's all I'm doing, Mm -hmm. the sensible thing to do would be to start singing or soloing over it with another instrument. And that's just not in my wheelhouse. (laughs) It's pretty frustrating.
2: I've been experimenting with different ways of just using the trappers again. Oh yeah. And i am working with Renoise, and I tried a few things. It has a bunch of different features that are actually pretty helpful for writing stuff. The first one that I I worked with was, you can set up the instrument so that it'll play a whole pattern from one key. So it's like a sub-pattern type of deal. Mm-hmm. and it'll play with its own speed. So you can use it to trigger like chords or pitch bend effect or something. So I was like, okay, I'll use this to like take four chords and just jam with the four chords. And that yeah. works. You can do a kind of cool, damp type of thing. But also I realized that, okay, I can do that. What else can I do? Because I wasn't, I wasn't actually satisfied with that. And I was like, okay, well, what if I just reduced my polyphony? And this was like an idea I had for a while, because with harmony, you're always thinking like what's good is tonal harmony. So like it follows some kind of satisfying progression in the the Western fashion. And I was like, that always ties you to having like at least three notes in your chord. What if I use two notes? Mm -hmm. And there was a video I watched where some piano teacher, and she was explaining that if you leave it at two notes, it actually sounds better. And She didn't explain why, but I surmised that the reason why is because then your brain has to fill in the
0: gap. What was the context for this?
2: The context?
0: Yeah. For why it works? What was the context of the lesson where the teacher mentioned this?
2: This was mostly a performance-oriented thing. It was like, we're playing this melody and we want to add a nice harmony to it. Right. You know, how do you do that?
0: What I've heard over and over again from people who play, like, in bands is that If you've got a bass player, you definitely don't want to play the bass note in the chord Mm -hmm. because that's already taken care of. Like, it's it's redundant and it it just doesn't sound good. So you want to play the remaining notes. You focus on those. Sorry, go on.
2: I was done with the two-note thing because I tried doing, like, two-note harmonies and I was like, yeah, this definitely works. You can get interesting stuff by sticking to two-note polyphony and then, like, adding in more later maybe and then I was like well why don't I just do monophonic sequences that try to sound like polyphonic ones <laughs> and I did this hmm. by like take one track in Renoise and switch instruments during the track so it would play all the different parts that was interesting too because what happens is that you end up with this arrangement where every instrument has a lot of space carved out for it because it has to if you go back to that track and you try to expand
1: it you still end up with that space there Mm -hmm. yeah so when when you say you had the switching instruments was it like oh like a synth note plays and then like a bass note plays you know or or like and and then like you know lead and then a bass and then lead and a bass, like they're alternating yeah okay interesting
0: yeah it's a neat idea The
2: most recent thing that I've tried, and this kind of came out of working with the monophonic stuff, is... So there's a feature that Renoise has. It'll snap your note input to a scale. And you can choose the scale. It has a lot of presets. So it has all the major and minor, and it has, like, 9-note scales and 11-note scales and everything in between. And I thought, okay, well, what if I use this to, like, play two different scales at the same time? because, you know, the two note harmony thing. And I tried that and it's like, oh, this is how you make jazz
1: chords.
2: (laughs) You can take, you know, basically any two scales and you play them against each other and you, you end up with stuff that sounds interesting as like a harmonic idea. And because you're playing both scales and you hear
1: more of the scale in each one, you know that right. there's
2: there's some kind of coherent idea here. It isn't just all the notes. Yeah.
1: That's cool. I feel like I should give that a try because one of the issues that I've been running into is with the devices that I have obtained for myself. They're all monophonic. And I've been finding it limiting because I'm like Jim. I'm used to like working on just laptop software where these limitations aren't really a thing mm-hmm. yeah. and so like if i if i want to like you know have like a chord progression i can have an actual chord progression and so when i like sit down to do synth stuff it's like they're really fun to just like jam out on but i've been having difficulty like figuring out how to work them in a full composition i feel like i'm like gradually getting better at it like treating them as just instruments rather than trying to push them beyond what they were meant for but I do still find it kind of kind of limiting sometimes the fact that it's like, oh, I have this really cool sound that I've made on this thing and I think it would sound great if there was more of it, but I can only have one at a time because it's a mono synth.
0: <laughs> you need to get a reel-to-reel tape machine and multi-track.
1: I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of, of like having, there's probably a term for what you just described, like compositional polyphony or something like that, where it's like structural as opposed to literal. <laughs> given me some ideas that I kind of want to play around with now.
2: Yeah, no, it's it's been really kind of exciting because it's like, I'm still using the same tool that I have before, but I'm like more deliberate with it now. It's like I can think about if I want to write something, and I actually haven't been writing a lot. It's more like, oh, I had this idea to experiment with and I tried it once and it worked. But if I wanted to sit down and write something, then it would be like, oh, I could start by planning on paper. I'm like, I'm going to use, you know, such and such scale, like a blues scale, if I want it to sound more blues, swing, jazz type of thing. And then I could have it switch to a major scale in, in the middle where I want it to sound, you know, uplifting. That would be sufficient to, like, get me going in like in terms of track structure and then I could just fill in the details as I go along so I'm like yeah that that's cool I don't need more gear now <laughs>
1: I still want more gear <laughs> yeah it's fun always historically I've never been like you know the kind of person that like wants things and stuff I know a lot of people are like they're like oh i want this cool thing i want this cool thing and i was i was just like nah i don't need that i just need food and you know a bed um but then i started obtaining musical technology things and now i'm like oh oh no oh no i found my thing i found the thing that i want to spend money on
0: yeah it's uh this is dangerous it's it's a, it's a weird place to be <laughs> I feel like you're usually pretty thrifty and then suddenly you're like, oh, I could spend $15,000 on a modular synthesizer.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I'm not there yet, fortunately. I mean, if I had $15,000, I probably
0: would be. Probably could spend $50,000 also on a modular synthesizer. Yeah,
1: true, true. But for the time being, it's just I keep seeing a bunch of little things and I'm like, oh.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And it's like, no, 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 no. I turn around, there's something else.
0: Oh. And it's a better time than ever to be interested in, like, little music toys. Like, I remember when I first got into, like, the idea of music toys was, like, the mid-90s. And it was, like, the worst time to want to buy cool synthesizers because the old stuff was expensive because it was retro. And the new stuff was expensive because it was new. Mm. Like, five years before that, the old stuff was, like, oh, this is old and it's cheap because nobody wants it. Uh... But by that time, like, everybody realized, wait, actually, this stuff's awesome. And nowadays, the music gear manufacturers have caught up with the idea of, like, you know, we could make a like a tiny analog synthesizer and sell it to people for, like, 200 bucks and people would buy that shit like hotcakes because yeah. it's a cute, fun toy to play with. Yeah. And on top of that, like, it's actually really cheap to put a CPU in a piece of plastic. And the CPU could just do all the audio processing you could ever want. And all you need to do is build the interface and there is your synthesizer.
1: Yeah, that does sound really easy. Yeah. Now I want to try.
0: <laughs> hey, I'll throw in with you on this project. If you, <laughs> you want to, you, you build the case, I'll build the software. Or Oh, yeah. If you want to do it the hard way, we could switch it out and will do it vice versa. <laughs> <laughs> This, this
1: this sounds fun.
0: All right, uh, we should switch topics because this is this this was my personal pet topic for this episode. So I could just keep going forever, but should not because probably we're uh, shedding listeners like flies because talking about this stuff.
1: It's your podcast, man. You can do whatever you want. This is a new format. Just talking about synths Every episode.
0: That's that's an excellent point. Fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Next time
2: it'll be called synth rewards. That's right.
0: That's that's the name of our band, by the way, that we're starting. (laughs) DeLorean Overdrive, eat your heart out. For this next topic, we're going to be watching the music video for Domino Dancing by the Pet Shop Boys at one quarter speed. Go into settings, playback speed, 0.25 is what you want. You want to mute everything because uh, YouTube's time stretching is terrible. Three, two, one, play. Two shirtless young men. Sit by a tree.
1: In white pants.
0: One's wearing white pants. One's very, very light-colored jeans. Looks like some
1: kind of college campus.
0: Yeah, it does. Yeah. Could also be high school, but everybody's old for that. They they went to Central Casting and we were like, we need 50 high school students, and they got a bunch of 30-year-olds. <laughs> yep. Do you think those two boys were the pet shop boys? I don't know. They
1: seem too, like conventionally attractive to be... I guess conventionally attractive people can work in pet shops. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, but but can they form synth-pop bands? And Remember, this is back in the 80s, back before musicians were universally attractive, and that was their main feature.
2: This is after Duran Duran,
0: right? Uh, is it? Yeah. According to YouTube, this video was uploaded in 2009, so it's hard to say. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's that, that that's when the pet shop boys were around. Two thousand nine. That's when this video was.
0: <laughs> this is a two thousand three digital remaster, so it's still hard to say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> this guy was wearing a silver hard hat, and then he just took it off to flirt with some lady who was just walking by.
0: He tips it and says "Milady," mm-hmm. but in the eighties, that was uh, that was charming, right? I would have sworn that kid was gay. I still think he's gay, even following this woman upstairs to her room.
1: He's trying to prove himself. Right. I'm straight. I'm straight. <laughs> His shirt's off again for some reason. But he's still got the hard hat. That's the har- he's working.
0: He's a man at work. Oh, that's a nice view. Oh, that's a wonderful shot of that dude's armpit hair. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fluffy.
1: Oh, I hate that you pointed that out because I didn't notice it until you did.
0: (laughs) I like the composition on that tunnel shot going down the hallway. Yeah. I believe this is one of the pet shop boys right here in the doorway. Is he in the pet shop though? Smash cut to the pet shop boys. And then the audience gasps.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, it was just one. So it was the pet shop boy. Right. Smash cut to a pet shop boy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay so i just went to the wikipedia page for pet shop boys and there's a photo here of like a bald 50 year old in a suit and tie and the other guy is like wearing a silver track suit sunglasses and a hat like a baseball cap that says boy on it <laughs> so i think that guy is one of the pet How shop else boys would you know
2: if it didn't say right. "Boys"? <laughs>
0: I feel like this is probably a British pun where, like, a bald 50-year-old man in a suit and tie, like, you call that guy a pet shop. (laughs) That's that's, uh, Cockney rhyming slang for something. (laughs) We can always fall back on Cockney rhyming slang if we can't think of anything else to say about this video.
1: (laughs) I mean, there's a bunch of pigeons flying around now.
0: Lady is just completely stone-faced about all the pigeons flying around, like she doesn't even care about pigeons.
1: That's because she's stalking this dude. Is that the same lady?
0: Yeah, this is like that meme where there's a dude who's looking at the other lady, who's the same lady.
1: <laughs> very slow pan. I'm like, oh, this is a very slow pan. Oh wait, no, it's it's just it's just a quarter speed.
0: <laughs> Here's the DJ scene. Oh, this pet shop boy looks so forlorn about the party happening in front of him. I would too, to be fair.
1: He looks like he wants to be somewhere else. Yeah. Is this the other Pet Shop boy? He's got a microphone in front of him.
0: I mean, he seems to be the star of the music video. Perhaps that is the boy from the, the silver tracksuit and, and boy baseball cap fame. <laughs> it would really help if this Wikipedia article had like an image of them from the 80s, but no. <laughs> Just the one from...
1: When was that photo taken?
0: It was uh, 2013.
1: Oh, that doesn't help.
0: Nope. Maybe I'll go to their website, PetShopBoys.co.uk.
2: This is why time travel is difficult.
0: Yeah. I was surprised by when the, uh when the acoustic classical guitar came in on this synth pop song. I have never heard this
1: song before, so I don't know what's happening audio-wise right now. But there is a guitar present.
0: Yes. The only instrument visible, unless you count the the, the turntables.
1: Right. I wonder... If anywhere in the world, there's a place named Boyd's Pet Shop. (laughs) (laughs) This guy's still looking sad at the party. The light shined in his face and he turned his head as if to say, please don't shine the light in my face.
0: (laughs) I like those stripy shirts. Busy looking at the Pet Shop Boys Instagram. And by the time I went back to the music video tab, the stripy shirts were gone.
2: Oh, they see see them again.
0: (laughs) Oh, there's one.
1: There it is again. Yeah, yeah. There was another one in the background, but I think, I don't know if we'll see that person again.
0: So this Pet Shop Boys Instagram is like all photos of like tour dates. Do they still exist? It looks like they do. It looks like they're touring.
1: Hmm. Is this dude really short or is it just me? Like he's in a party and everybody else is taller than him.
0: Especially this guy who's like a foot taller than everybody (laughs) else.
1: (laughs) Yeah, sad, sad man in the corner is so sad because he... (laughs) <laughs> he can't feel like he's part of the people Because he's right. just looking over everyone
0: I'm I, I'm continuing to scroll down On the Pet Shop Boys Instagram Hoping to the, like scroll back To 1989 eventually <laughs> I mean they don't have like Any of themselves on an album cover Or anything Oh yeah but it's all like This one's from 73 weeks ago So that was January 2020 They're very old Oh we left the party we're somewhere wet now Now this guy's taking a shower in a waterfall. Wait, is he being crucified in a waterfall? Is that what's happening here?
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, we saw the crosses earlier. It's just, you know, it's all symbolism.
0: Right, yes. The only kind of symbolism they knew how to do in the 80s was crucifixion symbolism. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And pigeons. And pigeons. And pigeons. Whatever the pigeons mean.
1: Pigeons are a kind of dove. And dove... Christian, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I've connected the
0: dots. I found this photo of the two members of Pet Shop Boys dress up as, dressed up as detectives, as like in, in like trench coats and fedoras. You can tell me whether or not that looks like the two protagonists of this video to you.
1: It definitely looks like the sad guy, the one.
0: Yeah, I agree. The other guy might just be an actor they hired. <laughs> To be the 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 flirtation master,
1: maybe the lady in the middle is the other pet shop boy. It could be, yeah. Are we sure there are only two? If they're detectives, who's the criminal
0: in the middle
2: there? You know, it could be you know one of those like oh that the detective was the criminal,
0: right? Yes, it's like how Jessica Fletcher does all the murdering.
1: Yeah, I've been operating under the assumption that there are only two pet shop boys. I have no reason to believe that because, uh, like, English doesn't have a just too plural, you know, version. Pet shop (laughs) y'all. Pet shop yins. (laughs) Yins. Sorry, I'm from Pittsburgh. (laughs) It could be like a whole army of pet shop boys.
0: I'm trying to search for how many pet shop boys there are, (laughs) but there's a pet shop boys song called Too Many People. (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
1: dude just got his hard hat knocked
0: off. That's an OSHA violation. Wow, and they're like
1: replaying it like five times. I was just trying to read the paper. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's bullshit.
1: They look like they're about to throw down. These two
0: shirtless youths. The two sh- shirtless youths fighting in slow motion is a very strange look. Like <laughs> uh, the slow motion fight really makes it look like... Uh, something very deliberate and choreographed, which, I mean, I guess it probably is, but even in the cosmology, it looks choreographed. I'm pretty
2: sure this video has a lot of slow motion in it already, so we're watching it double slow.
0: (laughs) Right, yes. What do you think that is in the reflection? Is that an ocean? I guess there's an ocean in the background now. Cut
1: to an ocean. Oh, I guess they they took it to the beach, their fight.
0: (laughs) You want to take this to the beach? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> we can't take it outside cuz we're already outside. Right. The beach
0: is the outside of the outside.
1: <laughs> Double outside. From the beach you go to space. <laughs>
0: you want to take this to space?
1: Yeah, bro. Let's go. Let's do it.
0: I I really would have sworn that how many pet shop boys are there would have come up with like a one of Google's auto answers. Right. <laughs> But no, are the Pet Shop Boys a couple? Neil Tennant has stated his lyrics are not specifically gay. Many of their songs are written using gender-neutral language. Yes, they are a couple. Oh. So they hired this strange man to star in a music video with
1: a woman. That ends with two guys erotically fighting in the ocean? Yes. Okay. And the woman is... Walking alone. Yes. She's (laughs) She's just walking alone. She's been walking alone for a while now as the two dudes homoerotically fight in the ocean.
0: Right. The the shots of her are like the – this was an early filmmaking experiment where they took a footage of a person like breathing emotionally and they intercut it with like shots of food and with shots of a corpse and with shots of a woman on a bed. This imbues the reaction shot of just the man breathing with, uh, oh, he's hungry or, oh, he's uh, mourning his loved one. That's what's happening with these shots of the woman who's just kind of like staring off into the distance. But intercut with these dudes fighting in the ocean. She's like, I can't believe these dudes are fighting in the ocean. (laughs) When all she's doing is just kind of looking.
1: Yeah. Sunglasses reflection. Are those sunglasses or just normal glasses? I can't tell.
0: Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, they're certainly reflecting at this angle.
1: Yeah. These horses are so in the foreground, but whenever they're not directly overlapping any of the main characters in the background, there's not really much else for scale,
0: so they just look super huge. You remember when I complimented this composition of one of the early sh- earlier shots in the video? I do. This one is like the opposite of just like... <laughs> Here's two horses, put them anywhere in the frame. Here's a couple of trees to go in the foreground, blocking everything. The dudes can fit somewhere in the back there.
1: I like to imagine that those horses weren't planned while they were shooting this. They were just like some out-of-control horses that the handlers couldn't handle. And and they're like, we're trying to shoot a music video. (laughs) Oh, yeah, we're trying to shoot a music video. Stop fighting in the ocean. (laughs) I read the
2: the comments. I mean, one of the comments, it says that those are the police horses.
0: Fighting in the ocean?
2: <laughs> oh, I never noticed Something's that. Something's on fire now. Yeah, I never noticed the bonfire shot before.
0: So this thing that's popped up in the corner with that's a circle with, I guess those are the Pet Shop Boys now. Yeah. That's not part of the music video. That's like an ad for another thing you could be watching instead.
1: I think that'll just take you to their actual, the Pet Shop Boys YouTube channel.
0: Right. And that's the end of the video. We, we did, did it. it. We did yeah. it, boys. You did we, it. We, d- we did it, Pet Shop. We did it. We're all Pet Shop boys now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we have time to do another topic. I think we've recorded this episode for long enough. Tyreek, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? I'm on Twitter
1: at 4 Friday, and also most other places at 4 Friday. All spelled out. The number four is in there, but it's spelled like a word, not the number. But it is the number, but it's spelled. So, numeral four, Bit Friday. No, the word. The word four, but not four as in like the preposition or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> You've made it difficult for yourself. <laughs> I've ruined me. <laughs> yeah, I'm four Bit Friday basically everywhere. And I also am at error. In Bandcamp, but instead of the E, you replace the E with an F, and it spells fror. Fror. Yeah, so that's me on Bandcamp, the name I've chosen for myself.
0: You should register error, but with an F instead of an E, dot com, and that'll be... (laughs) That's not a bad idea,
1: actually. Er Error, error with an F dot com. Yeah.
0: Maybe I'll do that. (laughs) And James, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? Like I stated in the intro,
2: you can find me on Twitter at TripleFox and also triplefox at vulpine.club.
0: All right. Uh, thanks so much for being on. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Hi, this is Jim. This is the audio I append to every episode of Topic Lords. Congratulations to our newly anointed lords. This episode was edited by Esper Quinn, who can also edit your episode if you contact them on Twitter. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com and you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash topiclords. Patrons get episodes a week early and you get access to the Topic Lords Discord where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode!